welcome to Party Chat Peoples. I am the Void, and I'm here with Mikey and Stacy. No, we're going to talk about video games and things. This is Mr. Popo. <laughs> From Dragon Ball Z. Yes. I'm here with Goku and Gohan. <laughs> and we're going to go trade in the hyperbolic time chamber. Exactly. Oh, boy. Uh, all right. That. <laughs> there we go. AKA the PlayStation 5. <laughs> yeah, it, it dilutes uh, it, it dilutes time because there's no loading anymore. Oh yeah, totally. I've actually heard people talk about how like they're so used to using loading times to like take a break and look at their yeah. phone or go to the bathroom, and they don't have that anymore. That they suddenly realize it's three a.m. and they need to stop. Yep, yep. I've no. Yeah, that's definitely one thing that oh, helps though is you still have to wait for online things, so that's actually good. Although mm. things may load a little bit quicker, there's still delayed time, you know, for, I guess, you know, bandwidths and, and connections to sync up. So you still have that time, but okay. definitely like playing Demon Souls, it's just like you die, you have a little bit of fog, you come back. Actually, there was an interview, I think, in Game Informer, and the developer actually said, we could actually have just made you die and immediately port you back to the bonfire or the archstone more moreover but um they said we wanted to give the players the break so that fog that little delay time is mm. that's interesting mm. it makes sense because they do serve a pacing function a lot of times and they also have like the tool tips a lot of times in loading screens yeah so yeah. like designers are gonna have to rethink about some stuff but yeah. we're getting ahead of ourselves and going we on a tangent are. so uh, if you didn't guess I will be talking about the PlayStation 5 and Demon Souls and Stacy is still obsessed with plagues so she's going to be talking about Plague Inc. They've added a new mode called a cure mode so instead of it being depressing and oppressive world dying you know in the fake world in the real world because of a plague <laughs> added something to make us have some hope. Um, we're also going to get into a little bit about ESPN firing its esports staff, you know, another unfortunate casualty of the pandemic we're living in, uh, companies cutting corners where they can, not necessarily where they should, but where they can. And Zavi has been playing Spider-Man Miles Morales, not on the PS5 though, so I don't know. If no, I'm stuck at 30 frames per second like a pleb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Funny enough, it's, it's, it's so interesting before I, I dive in, because we are going to start with the PlayStation 5. Um, it's been interesting to sort of watch a couple of games that, um, you know, we're still sort of deciding on this performance mode and resolution mode and how, although, you know, there was definitely a visual difference on the PlayStation 4, but now when you have to make that choice on the PlayStation 5, it's like, it's difficult for me. Like mm. I started, I think, and then the default, I think they keep it on is more of a um, performance mode. So I started Demon Souls on the performance mode and I know this is heresy to be saying, but I kind of just stayed on it. Like I went to the 60 frames and I'm just like, oh, wow, the resolution dropped quite dramatically. It's, 10, it's 1080, 60 frames. And on the performance mode, it's 4K 30. Um, so I have just stayed on it. You know, I'm not like a super, super Souls player. I'm not PVPing. I'm not like, you know, getting all these frames and doing all that stuff. So it's not that necessary for me. So you but stayed at 30 frames? Or? Yeah, because it just looks so good. Yeah. Like, especially when you're in the yeah. next system. And that game, 
I mean, outside of when another player drops into your game and like those fractions of seconds can really matter. Um, oh. That game's like a very, like the decisions per second that you make in that game. I don't think you need the 60 frames, you know? Uh, yeah, I would agree. And also I'm not paying. Um, oh, I am not playing as a, um, like an attack character. I'm playing as magic. Ah. So, you know, it, I don't need all the froms, as they would say. <laughs> yeah, I get that. Um, but yeah, I mean, so Demon Souls, I guess I'll just start off by talking about Demon Souls and then I'll get into the PlayStation 5 as a whole. Um, Demon Souls is great. Demon Souls is hard. Demon Souls is hard. <laughs> Um, I, I, it's funny coming back because, uh, just my history with the souls genre, I played demon souls when I wasn't a particularly skilled gamer. Uh, you know, I heard about like, oh, this demon souls game is out. It's the hardest game ever made, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, after a couple of months, I jumped on the bandwagon with the recommendation of a friend. We played a lot of co-op together, which was so unwieldy back there. I'm just thinking about like, okay, <laughs> my soul in the corner. Okay. All right. I'm doing it right now. Okay, you got it. Okay, all right, I'm clicking it. Okay, you're in my game. And then the whole, you know, having a body form and a soul form. So you can only um, be summoned when you're in your soul form. And you can also only summon someone when they're in their body form. And you only get a body if you use something called an ephemeral stone, which you can get more of them, but you'll, they'll drop more as you, as you go further in the game. I feel like or, I'm learning witchcraft the more you describe this. Yeah, or, <laughs> or when you beat a boss and for every level there are four bosses, three like, I don't want to say mini bosses, but three main bosses and then a world boss. Um, and, and just the format of it, because, you know, we've had, we've had three Dark Souls games and we've had one Demon Souls game. This one is just um, appropriate to mention. Bluepoint Studios remade this, so From Software had nothing to do with it. There aren't any, any, there aren't many changes, just mainly quality of life stuff. And there was a, so the, the game functions as- What are you talking about, Mikey? That camera is no longer centered behind the player. It's bullshit. I'll never play this. Oh, you can that. <laughs> there's so many, there's so many options to change it to get that um, original experience. You can I know. I'm just pretending to be um, a toxic yeah, fanboy. Yeah. 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 I get that. Um, I mean, options aren't elitist when you can go back to the way that you need to play. So, 100%. so other than having to choose between the frames versus the resolution, yeah. is it a nice looking? Oh, it's reboot? gorgeous. Like yeah. staring at the I, I, you know, I don't know if you guys have seen that um, state of play where the, the, I think the creative director went through every world and he just takes his pan of the nexus. It, it's striking. Mm -hmm especially like looking at older videos of Demon Souls because I've like looked up some stuff just to give a reminder. And, you know, since this game is new, you type in Demon Souls, you're not going to get a lot of the remake videos. You're going to get a lot of the original. Right. So then right. going to Nexus and just looking at it and going, oh my gosh, this place looks completely different. Like the lighting, just the visual effects. My favorite thing thus far is the spell effects. It literally sounds like something they stole from Harry Potter, like this, like, yeah. like this, like just like yeah. go on and, and, and just listen to it, like, like go to Demon Souls remake, like Royal or Magic Player and just uh -huh. listen to the spell effects, like the particle effects are like mm. amazing. And if yeah. I remember from the, from like the original Demon Souls, mm -hmm. that was a sort of day when 
they didn't have the production, but like from software didn't have the production values that they have now. And so I can imagine that, you know, on like sound design and things like that, that it makes a big difference on the game feel like. Yeah, it, it definitely is. But and I just want to correct you. Remember, this is Blue Point, not from. So. No, yeah, I hear you. I'm just saying like the original was back from before, like like Sekiro, for example, or even by the time they hit like Bloodborne and earlier, maybe even. Yeah. They had pretty good production Sony, values. But it was a Sony developed game. So I, I, I hear what you're saying and I don't disagree, but okay. it still had the backing of a, a console, you know, studio. I mean, a console uh, for sure. I just remember the little bit that I played a long time ago, like not having uh, a feeling in the combat of like, like what you're describing with the spells, like this kind of visceral satisfaction. Yeah. Oh, the, 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 the visceralness, if that's a word, is very apparent. Um, hits feel harder um, just in general. And I mean, I'm, it definitely has something to do with there, the the haptic feedback on the controller isn't super apparent in Demon Souls, but you definitely feel it. Um, the the microphone on the controller though is, I think, a necessary. Uh, to, it, it needs to be mentioned in the sense of like, when those hits come through, you hear them through the controller too. When you're walking through swamp, you hear. Uh. When you're walking through planks and wooden things, you hear. And you'll hear it through your TV, but you'll also hear like a very reduced uh, 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 sort of version of it coming through your controller as well. It's it's fantastic. I mean, the production values are definitely there. Um, I've gotten through basically four out of the five worlds. There was a mysterious sixth world that they did not, they chose not to, you know, uh, add on or you know they said it would be inappropriate as a as a studio that is remaking the game to add in their own content and mm. i guess get the blessing from uh I, I don't think they asked anyway but um you know it, it, that was the, that's the only i think disappointment i think people thought that we were going to get a sixth world which is the sixth Hearthstone. that even in the original game it's built into the lore like when you look at the the list of worlds the yeah. stone mm. broken down i think that would have been welcome so um, to me, it's uh, them saying we don't think it's appropriate. It feels a little bit like a cop out to me. Well, I think it is a cop out <laughs> in the sense of like that's probably not the real reason, right? Like, yeah, it's uh, it's, it's expensive to do that kind of thing. I exactly, and in particular, we were talking earlier. Like, I think this is, makes a lot of sense as a PS5 exclusive, sort of um, from Sony's grand plan perspective, particularly this if if you're just remastering an old game you really get to focus on just pushing the hardware to look unbelievable um yeah. without having to have the overhead of like redesigning things or or designing new things yeah 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 that's true too i i don't want to be that cynical um you know <laughs> in the sense of you know like it it does it does feel a little sort of weird to be like hey we're going to remake this game and add in something that wasn't there before, especially for something that was so beloved. I, I can definitely, you know, still, you know, understand that part as well. But um, what you said also makes sense. Like, hey, we want to make a game that looks great. It's already done. All we just need you to do is bump up the graphics, add in some quality of life stuff and call it a day. And let's not forget the era that we're in. That could be some DLC. <laughs> 
yeah, yeah that's yeah, that's but, my yeah. that's my fear is that they're going to come around with it later but now they're going to charge you extra yeah. i mean <laughs> i think it's a perfectly fair thing to go like we remastered a game yeah that's still worth its money in some ways and if we suddenly need to pull in designers and other sorts of talent that we didn't use for the remaster to create a new thing that's fair game as dlc would also like consulting with software because you know i i like i said i don't want to be that cynical and say like oh yeah they didn't want to do it but i think they really want to stay you know sort of um authentic to the original in the sense of like hey we've seen gamer dumb happen where something is remade or there's a remaster and they're just like ill don't play that you know go yeah. back to the original so that's a and, definite thing that can happen too yeah and like all indication is that blue point is a remastering studio right like yeah. it, it would be what was that and remake and re this is a not a remaster it's a remake just whatever that I'm not going to have the ontological argument about stuff. I just want to, <laughs> as far as which one is it, but I just mean that in the sense that like they haven't done something original. Yeah. Which leads me to believe they don't have like the design people personnel for that. They don't necessarily have, um, you know, the, the team to, yeah. to do that kind yeah. of stuff. To the extent that there's writing, they may not have any writers at all. Yeah. Why, why would they need them? Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. Um, and that's fine. They're awesome at what they do. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Um, but yeah, I think that's probably as much as I'm going to say about Demon Souls. Um, you know, I, I'll definitely be talking about it a little bit more. But before we move on, I definitely wanted to just sort of give a little, you know, uh, shot. Uh, a step-by-step step of the PS5? Yeah, yeah. So Step-by-step? Oh God! Being a troll, ignore me. You are. <laughs> um, um, the system is huge. They weren't lying. Um, it's basically about three high. Um, it's sitting right next to my switch, and um, it's towering over it. It's like if it was <laughs> like a mini earthquake, and my PlayStation like just fell over, it would crush it. I don't. Wow, think that big. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I showed you, Stacey. Remember? You can put it on sideways, though. Yeah, 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 it's fine. I have the space to put it sideways. It's not a big deal, but I just think it's hilarious just how big it is. <laughs> it's almost it's, like the OG at Xbox. It's like they took a full-size PC and they put a fancy cover yeah. on it. Yeah, but um, it's a beautifully designed system. I definitely now, hold on. Let's be careful here. A full-size PC would still be double what the PS5 is. Like a tower, like a full-size tower. <laughs> yeah, okay, it's two, it's two, a tower is two PS5s duct taped together. <laughs> <laughs> that's otherwise known as the nintendo strategy for iterating on your consoles exactly. uh -huh. um sure. but um yeah it's a very sleek design system um i had my playstation 4 and i did the transfer which i don't know is actually working very well because uh, my friend uh, did it as well and we both had the same era where you you started the system everything goes smooth and it says hey do you want to transfer a plug and internet cord to each uh to each system and it's very simple, it's like press the PS4 button, it'll go into like whatever mode it would go into and you start transferring, it asks you, do you wanna transfer accounts, do you wanna transfer media, do you wanna transfer games? Everything transferred fine except for the games. It sort of downloaded as corrupted data so, and, and I got some errors like rebuilding database, so which was really weird. Easy fix, I just went and deleted the, the other data that it was and that was it. And I was like, okay, fine, that's done. But I ended up having to download everything else, which is fine. But the, the accounts transferred over fine. 
but the menus are very fast and snippy, snappy. Um, not all of the video apps are there. It's missing Crunchyroll and some other things. There's no HBO Max, um, but the Hulu, the Netflix, the Funimation, they own them. It should be on there. And um, uh, Peacock, I believe, is on there. So I'm missing a couple of other ones, but it's not that relevant. And um, as far as like the games, it's, it's fine. Um, the storage is definitely going to become an issue. Um, I've downloaded about maybe eight games, uh, Assassin's Creed, Demon's Souls, Watch Dogs, um, Sekiro, Monster Hunter, uh, Destiny 2. That's like about it. Maybe two other like PS4 games. That's about it. Nothing else could really fit. So that yeah, is- Yeah, I, I read that there is a lot of um, internal space taken up by apps you may not necessarily use. A hundred and something other data. And when you click it, it goes, this data has been set aside for, I forgot what it says, for things System to make- shit. <laughs> yeah. So, so there, are, very... there are instructions online on how to delete some of that junk because it's apparently a problem. Oh, wow. Okay. And um, also, I mean, uh, they haven't really approved any hard drives yet. So, or the NVMe drives. So a lot of people mm. saying, wait, so it's like, okay, you release a system with like, you know, severely compromised space in comparison to your previous systems or your competitor systems. Mm. And you're not giving an option to, to add in any space. Additionally, I think unless it's been re unconfirmed or reconfirmed, only PS4 games will be able to live on that uh, drive. So no, what you can, they can live on both either drive. They just can't get launched. So PS5 games cannot get launched from anything that isn't the internal PS5 drive. So um, what does that mean when you actually have to launch something? So a PS4 game can exist on the other drives no, and be launched that. from there. It's just that you can take a PS5 game that you want to like keep in your library like longer term move yeah. it to the other drive and then when it comes time to play it you only have to do a transfer operation instead of a download because the download is definitely going to take longer than just moving yeah uh, you know tens of gigabytes from a hard drive to an ssd so i guess my point is you know i'm thinking there's only going to be two or three more years where ps4 games are coming out so what happens when everything is just a PS5 game? Yeah, you know? so it's it's definitely an issue. And I will say that it's an issue that like makes me wince at getting a PS5. Uh, mm -hmm. The more and more I've been thinking about like the comparisons for this next generation, I really don't think I'm gonna get the PS5 for anything other than exclusives um, <laughs> for a bunch of reasons, but like this is one of them the it's a shame that sony is simultaneously like pushing things forward and and it's good that like this can become a new normal of like faster loading times but then they're not doing the follow through on like how this stuff works compared to someone like apple who wouldn't do this um like when uh, when Apple faced a similar thing with their laptops a while ago, they came out with what they call fusion drives, uh, which is to say the operating system handles moving shit around between a hard drive uh, and an SSD. 
and it does it fairly seamlessly. And while you wouldn't be able to get away with doing it as seamlessly on a gaming console, I could still imagine something like what we're talking about, especially since they made such a large freaking console. They could have mixed their solid state drive with something that is you know, just a stupid amount of, of storage and then like made it part of the operating system to very easily just go, okay, well, you haven't played this in a while, so we have to move this over and that's going to take a minute or two. Yeah. 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 Um, it's even the switch sort of has something like that. Mm. Um, I, I don't remember if it's automatic or not, but it has that archive software thing where it's like, oh, if you haven't used it in a while, you can, I, I think, I, I hope I'm not speaking out of turn. I know Apple does that where it has the off, up, what is it, offload unused apps. Uh-huh. The Switch might have something like that that's either. Um, I think that does delete your everything but your save data okay. on the Switch. Yeah, yeah. But if, yeah, if you don't use it for a while, it's just like, okay, you haven't, you haven't played this game in 60 days, two months. We, we're not keeping over here. We're just going to have your, your save data. Gotcha. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. it's a, that's a bit of a shame that they like, didn't think through that a bit more heavily. Um, and it also makes me think, like, there's going to be a PS5 Pro one day. Am I just going yeah. to? I mean, they've already want to wait for that. This mid-generation thing is sort of the new thing going forward. Um, yeah. Just as far as the UI, though, everything is very snappy. I was able to take a clip of something and upload it, and trim it, and upload it in between a multiplayer game. Um, admittedly, the room wasn't full, so it was filling up, but it was fine. I did it within maybe like two minutes or so nice um, it, was, it was it's really great like snapping into menus it's just like an overlay now so you can still see what's going on instead of like the full obstruction so like say for example you have a game where that doesn't pause other than if you press pause you know some games even when you go to the menu they'll still continue so it's good to have that as well spotify is on there your account is seamless you can go to a switcher so i think the xbox still comes out ahead on this where games are just held in the ram yeah definitely with sony's there's definitely like you have to load back into things but things are still quicker um i have not experienced xbox so i can't sit and go oh my god oh this is so bad i you know how come this system can't do it this is what i'm used to at the moment so but you know i'm not sitting and waiting at loading screens mostly most games have that initial load and then you're not really waiting for a load for the rest of the game so yeah, yeah. and, and yeah. definitely I've, I've also turned on Ghost of Tsushima. Um, it really benefits from the 60 frames mode. Um, Sekiro mm-hmm. I have on here. Oh, that's the other game I had on, Ghost of Tsushima. Sekiro also, I haven't actually seen what Valhalla and Watch Dogs Legions look like, but I'm expecting them to look um, great as well. And other games are supposed to get patches later on the line. So Destiny 2 is gonna effectively be like the PC port come December. So we'll see, but um, it's been cool. Um, I'm really enjoying it. I can't stop playing, but you know, life life is going to return, you know, on yeah. Monday. So I enjoyed this like weekend of vegging out, but that's it. Nice. Sweet. Very nice. Cool. So speaking of getting out into the world, release yours. Uh, yeah, so, well, right. So, so much of video gaming is about escapism and I have a weird perverse tendency to do the opposite, which is let's use video games to explore what's going wrong in the world. Um, coping. 
<laughs> coping is coping is good, uh, and Plague Inc was one of my favorites when coronavirus hits because it did even even before then a reasonably accurate job of helping to explain how viruses can both be um, hard to stop and also quite deadly over time. Mm-hmm. So, in the original game, you play the virus, and your goal is to kill everyone, which is pretty dark once you're actually in the middle of a pandemic, which is in fact killing hundreds of thousands of people, uh, probably millions by the time we're, we're done with the disease, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, the new version is a cure mode where instead of paying, playing the virus, you are playing the other side, if you will. Sort mm-hmm. of a not generic worldwide entity whose goal is to uh, come up with a vaccine before uh, the virus kills everyone. Are we the goodies now? We are attempting to be the goodies. We may or may not succeed at it. <laughs> uh, so one cute little uh, adjustment they've made is they give you an authority rating. Oh. And uh, if your authority drops to zero, you automatically fail the game. Because even if you come up with a vaccine and distribute it perfectly, people will not take it. Um, yeah. So you so need to do things let, like if you let those dirty leftists riot too much, or <laughs> or the crazy non-masker people or whatever, really. <laughs> um, so and there are some amusing consequences um, that that are a, a decent mirror of real life and aren't spelled out in in the initial game. So of course I played uh, versus a virus because that was the most obvious thing to do. Um, and I made the mistake of not providing PPE right away to my medical facilities. So then when I sent researchers out to go and research the disease, they actually ended up spreading it around, which reduced my authority significantly. <laughs> mm-hmm. So these are the kind of mistakes you make. Um, it does a pretty good job of also explaining how lockdowns and restrictions can actually Uh, hurt your authority, it can hurt your economy, which then makes people less likely to social distance if you don't provide them with some sort of uh, economic backstop, people will return to work and spread the disease more and hospitals will become overrun. Mm. So uh, lockdowns can be a really good short-term strategy, but in the longer term, things like contact tracing, social distancing, uh, and ultimately creating and distributing a vaccine are going to be more effective for yep. you. Uh, it also is, does a pretty good job of explaining the importance of government messaging and global messaging uh, and having a centralized uh, authority to distribute information and to head research. So something that arguably our world is doing a so-so job of at the moment uh, especially in the United States. I mean, we're very aware that, that different states have had different approaches to uh, containing the virus. And as a result, it's now spreading fairly widely across the country because if it's anywhere and people move around a lot, it's going to end up everywhere eventually. Mm-hmm. So uh, I would be very amused to see what would happen if you took a bunch of people who just generally don't believe this is a very big deal uh, and give them the cure version of this and let them play around with it. Um, it would be interesting to see if they just felt it was terrible propaganda. 
<laughs> or if it was in any way persuasive. I'm just now I'm just imagining like a total like stick to their guns, hardcore like freedom warrior just playing this game and just going like they went out with their freedom. It's okay. Like that, sure. like I won. I won because I didn't capitulate to to the globalists. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah. So <clears throat> I don't know what would happen if you took this to a militia that plays Call of Duty every day. I'm really not sure. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's not very expensive if you already have the main game, particularly, which can be as little as 10 bucks. It's, it's another $4 edition. Just be aware that as with the original game, there are sort of talents you can take at the start of your game to make it easier for you. These are all locked when you start the cure mode. And if you want to have them all unlocked immediately, it's another eight bucks. So they kind of got you there if you're impatient. That's so, weird. Don't like that. Don't love it. Not my yeah. favorite thing. Yeah. But you shouldn't it's... lock difficulty like op, you know, modifiers. Sure. Yeah, anyway. But but you can beat it on normal mode without any of that. Uh, mega brutal mode you cannot beat without <laughs> at least some of that stuff unlocked. It's not going to happen. <laughs> I don't think. So. And still, overall, uh, I liked it. And it is uh, a venture into a little bit more political territory. Not that that's totally foreign to Plague Inc. But um, as, as I was mentioning earlier, there's a very funny moment um, at the beginning. I got this uh, young girl reminds that climate change is still a thing. <laughs> and uh, world governments emit non-committal noises. Was, was the response and I just thought that was freaking funny <laughs> yeah the world but, is burning and you're doing nothing sure no. sure sure uh yeah but even if you've never played the original Plague Inc the tutorial will help get you through it you can see you start here with 110 authority uh depending on what version you play uh you will start with with more or a little less authority if you're playing at mega brutal mode you'll you'll have less to begin with um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's fairly similar. You've got three screens and, and one of them is going to deal with the th things like lockdowns and social distancing, uh, quarantines. Another one will, will have to do with the, you know, providing the facilities and equipment to try and respond to the immediate illness, the, the sickness of people. If you're question. very poor at keeping people alive, it really can mess with your reputation, obviously. Quick you know. question. Uh, so when you're playing as the virus in this game, you're getting like vaguely abstracted DNA points to mutate, right? So what's mm -hmm. your, what's the abstraction for when, for this mode? So in this case, it's, it's medical research points. Okay. Right. So you send researchers to countries and they will come up with some information about the disease. Or if you have people who are researching the virus and they come up with a breakthrough or doctors who are applying a new treatment, they come up with a breakthrough. Uh, so it starts the same way as countries are infected, you get points to spend. But by the time all your countries are infected, uh, and there's a certain amount that that increases as people get sick, you actually get points for that too. Um, and it's in that way it's sort of counterbalancing so you have a minimum number of points that you will get regardless but if you want to beat it pretty quickly and easily you need to put as much effort into curing the disease as you do into prevention and getting the news out sure like yeah so. 
Yeah, if you already have Play Geek, I, I really recommend it. Um, if you are struggling to understand how this damn virus works, I'd also recommend it. Uh, if you don't like strategy games particularly, and it just seems like an outlay of cash, don't bother. <laughs> yeah, that's something that Play Geek has always excelled at, is like this visualization of something that is if you just like watch a PowerPoint presentation on it, you're just either bored or just can't really wrestle with the numbers that are being thrown around. Mm -hmm. Seeing it over time in, in Plague Inc's simulation does really give you like a better intuitive understanding of how this shit works, especially over time, like you were saying, where it's like, oh, that country's fine. They only have a couple infected. I should ignore that. It's not a big deal. And then it like comes back to bite you in the ass where it's just like, ah, oh, fuck, that continent is dead now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they, they all refuse to take any basic precautions, and now they're traveling everywhere. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. So uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about is uh, really more about esports, which we've discussed some before. But um, I had hoped that with the coronavirus situation, we'd see a little bit of an increase in uh, major broadcasting of esports. And we did for a short period of time. Uh, ESPN started to pick up, uh, and even in some cases, rebroadcast uh, games. And uh, that was nice, but then November 5th, along with a bunch of other uh, job cuts at ESPN, they removed the entire esports dedicated team. Wow. So they're not saying, you know, we won't cover esports anymore. They're like, well, you know, we can send the football guy out to, to do a article now and then when something notable happens yeah i'd be shocked if they didn't have personnel who were primarily focused on traditional sports but were also gamers and also aware of the scene and capable of reporting on it uh to me this reads as a, a combination of last in first out in some ways a, like typical seniority type of structure um, right. but i think it's also probably indicative that those experiments didn't do a lot for them they didn't move mm -hmm. any needles that they cared about yeah. um, and part of that might be impatience because this stuff could theoretically take time but also a big whopping part of it is probably just that the people who watch this stuff they go to twitch for it they don't right yeah, they don't yeah. Sure. These I mean, so these were some of the challenges for one thing regular sports came back so that was always going to be a thing um even in in a limited manner it's going to be more of a bread and butter uh, another thing, as you said, is that people are used to using new media to watch esports anyway. Mm -hmm. And the third thing I think is um, they don't get the same sort of advertising dollars or broadcasting rights uh, because these video games are owned by third party companies instead of sports, which are just, you know, publicly used and, and not under any sort of trademark. Uh, it reduces the amount of revenue that they were getting from these esports. So mm -hmm. at the same time they've done that, they've spent $2.6 billion on baseball streaming rights. So, wow. you know, this is the same company that owns Disney Plus, which has a brand new headquarters that's being built downtown. It's going to be incredibly expensive and opening in the time of coronavirus, which is kind of hilarious. So... Uh, this is really about what's profitable for them, clearly, not whether they can afford to, to hire and keep these people. They've just decided it's not their focus. Uh, and I think that that means the window is closed. Uh, Esports may still become a thing, but maybe it will become a thing 
via new media, not really yeah. through traditional yeah. television. That was always my argument of them trying to fit a, what is a square peg, a circle, square peg into a circle hole of like, these things were sort of birthed in a new culture on the internet and we're trying to go backwards and try to retrofit them into new media. And like Zavi said, it's just like, people are coming into Twitch, like, you know, commentators are coming to Twitch, like games have always been there. And you know? I, and I also think that, um, like, by what metric would we say that esports have or haven't arrived? Because when you're talking about traditional sports, you're talking about a handful of things that people watch. Hockey, baseball, basketball, football, soccer, right? Like, it, there's not a lot in terms of, like, what generates the millions of viewers that ESPN is actually interested in. When you talk about esports, there's just a lot more for people to watch. And if you roll it all into, like, one giant ball – like you might reach some serious numbers that would be attractive to something like an ESPN. But I think the fragmentation of that sort of thing isn't a sad thing. I think in some ways it's a good thing. Like the fact that uh, Rogue Company, Counter-Strike Go, and I think Valorant is the one that's kind of in the same space where they have like snap quick rounds and all this stuff. Like it's good that there's three different twists on that type of thing it's a bit closer to the way that soccer works in europe where there's so many different leagues and they all play a little bit differently for various reasons yeah. um, but esports evolves so much more quickly than traditional sports i mean we were watching um a hermes cup for the hades game where it's basically just people speed running um and they were making much better times than I've been able to make so far. So <laughs> clearly there's some skill involved, but this yeah. is a game that wasn't really designed for any sort of competitive play and they've just figured out how to do it. Yeah. And, and, and that's a good uh, last point on it too, because you really ought to think of esports as an extension of just like gaming, which yeah. has long overtaken most other media as far as like dollars generated and people yeah. partaking and so on. So then they just have to catch up, like you said, where where the viewership, where the attention is, because um, uh, sorry to extend it, just a quick thing. I think two weeks ago or last week, Mortal Kombat had a tournament, and I just happened to be on YouTube and it was there, and I'm just like, oh, okay. Yeah, I we think, could use yeah. some consolidation, right? I could see yeah. like whether it's Twitch just trying to put out like a flagship channel of some sort, exactly. or or like g4 is supposedly coming back yeah and, and that that might do some good things yeah. uh we could use some consolidation where there's like a place or mm -hmm. a few key places where you can always expect high production value uh gaming content often of the esports yeah. variety right. and i is would it? love to have a single channel which is going to have something on most of the time, like most weekends, there will be some kind of tournament. Yeah. And there's actually some thought put towards scheduling these not at the same time as each other. For sure. And, and having a rotation that makes sense. You know? Yeah. Well, if I'm not mistaken, I feel like the YouTube gaming uh, hub and Twitch does do have this sort of like esports or tournament sort of click link and you can find it. But like you said, Stacey and Zombie, like it's not really, you know, timed well or time wise. You got to make choices between what you want to watch. Yeah, as much as I love Rocket League, uh, it's, you know, the way they do it is every weekend they have it on for like six straight hours each day. And I'm just like, not going to do that. <laughs> so maybe I watch highlights sometimes in a background, but like, I'd love it if, you know, 
as a matter of uh, trying to consolidate and trying to have like regular programming around some of these things, if you could have just just literally taking like they can play the games in one day for all I care because the the broadcasters themselves probably don't want to do excuse me uh, probably don't want to do one hour every night they probably want to do six hours yeah. for three days um, yeah. but like just air them on a channel like over time like yeah. the, over yeah. the next coming week and, and that would give them time to edit it so that it's like here's the highlights here were the the important matches to watch but like having it um, be less viewer driven, you know, where it's just a scattershot of channels and you just have to figure it out yourselves, I think needs to be a, an evolution of how it works. Yeah, right the, there's always that tension with sports between wanting to show something live and wanting to have a really professional end product, right? right? Yeah, they'll cut between baseball games all the time. So, like, where it's just like, all right, well, this game's a blowout. We're gonna go to our sister channel and go watch that one, uh, right. kind of thing. For example, <laughs> but anyways. Yep, that was uh, thing you said. So, how has Spider-Man evolved? In my <laughs> nice throw. Uh, it it has evolved very very well. So, yes. I we're talking about Spider-Man Miles Morales, uh, which I played on PS4, and. I'll just, like, the, the simplest synopsis of this is just, I think it's better than 2018 Spider-Man. Um, so a lot of that, for me, comes down to, like, uh, more modest length, a more modest chunk of here's the story we want to tell, and here's the number of side missions that make sense for it, and, and that sort of thing. Um, because my biggest issues with 2018 Spider-Man was how it just tried to fill time with an epicness that I didn't think was particularly like well done. Like it, it just felt like it dragged eventually um, closer to the end. But but even throughout like big chunks of it, where it's just um, it, it it felt like the pacing of that game was a little all over the place, particularly the weakest point in 2018 Spider-Man was like when they have the whole raft level and like the sinister sticks show up and all this stuff where I'm just like, all right, like I get it. You reached a point where you just want it to be like the citywide crisis and stuff. It just, it just didn't really work for me personally, but anyway, that's more critiquing 2018. What's really nice about Miles Morales Spider-Man is that the core journey is just this steady, steady increase of, of like the your investment and the stakes and like the characterization leading to a climax that's very, very good. Um, it's good definitely on the story front, but it's also good in terms of like they didn't blow their load on gameplay. So mm. when you actually reach that last fight, it's a little bit novel compared to what's come before. It's a little bit... Um, it, you know, it definitely has some spectacle uh, and and it feels pretty welcome versus both with the end of 2018 and with the DLCs where the fights felt a little bit um, uninspired by the end. It felt a little bit like here's one more of a dude who you have to hit more, more times than everyone else. Mm -hmm. um, th this one just felt like it, it really dovetailed uh, as, a, as a whole work really, really nicely. Uh, the other thing that a lot of people have commented on, and I have to agree, is that 
this feels centered on the character in a way that uh, is is a, an improvement as well. Um, everything from the sound design to the visual design feels like it's a reflection of this iteration of Spider-Man versus a kind of just generic cinematicness that I think uh, 2018 evoked. Like in 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 Peter Parker's you know Spider-Man, the music that's there just kind of feels like something from the Sam Raimi movies. Mm -hmm. uh, the music in Miles Morales feels like something that Miles and his friend Genki would have like made a mix and like put into his ear to help him like relax and focus while he's out there fighting crime. Mm -hmm. um, the the ways that like um, in in you know they had this in 2018 as well where the music will kick in like when you actually start doing the web swinging and stuff. Um, it just it feels a bit more like you press the play button in this one in terms of the music, the way that the bass comes in. Uh, and, and, and it just creates a, a certain immersion that uh, is really nice. Um, going a bit more into the detail of the gameplay, I think that something that's worth noting is the way that they use the Venom powers uh, and introduce that layer of abilities into the combat. And they took away a lot of the um, myriad of web shooter options that you had before. And I think that that's way better because it's way more manageable. You can actually, uh, it, for me personally with 2018, there was so many web skills that I couldn't conceive in real time of like how to use them all and mix them up. So I just kind of switched between them sometimes and spammed the shit out of them a lot. Like I wasn't mm -hmm. thinking particularly tactically or, or you know, and whatnot. Yeah. And here he has four uh, abilities and that's actually pretty, um, you, you, can, you can reckon with that, right? And, and then with the Venom skills, those are just sort of uh, logical and intuitive in some ways, particularly because they also have traversal effects. So when you, you basically L1 is your like use Venom skills modifier button for the combat. And if you do L1 and X in combat, he has this ability where an area around him becomes, uh, you know, an area of effect attack and he launches everyone up into the air, which you can then do air combat stuff. And since you've hit them with Venom, they take bonus damage. So you can kind of clear out a bunch of people who are getting up on you. It's a pretty good, like, fuck off button, mm -hmm. basically. And then your straight up Venom punch is L1 and square, which makes sense. And then there's also L1 and triangle for a dash, which you have to use for particular enemies. So there's a context, context uh, awareness layer to the combat. And then that can also be used in traversal to just get like a zip forward. Um, and I think because of that mixture of traversal and combat, um, I just kind of locked in like what all those things do. They felt more intuitive than here's a bunch of web uh, like technologies that you can randomly use. But in particular, they actually complement each other well. So one of the four like tools that you have is like this gravity well that pulls in enemies, which just very obviously works well with the venom punch because that hits like a bit of an arc in front of you and can uh when you level up certain skills can like carry over the venom to any enemies that you hit those enemies into 
And so like it, it creates a very obvious combo effect. So that's, that, that feels a lot more, um, it feels like the depths of the combat are a lot more reachable with this design than it was in 2018, where I just kind of felt like I spent most of my time focusing on the basics of dodging and hitting and avoiding damage, but was overwhelmed with the number of like random web things that you could use. Uh, so I think that this game is kind of just an unambiguous improvement on mm -hmm. what came before. And that's uh, really nice. I think mm -hmm. that um, Insomniac has a really uh, solid pipeline to have put this out in two years. And I think that's worth talking about too, because one of the things that this game left me with was it was a genuine uh, impression that like, if, if someone uh, could could come out with this in two years after obviously doing a lot of the hard work to model New York City into an open mm -hmm. world. Uh, yeah. it, At this in, point, they had an engine that they knew worked and a, yeah. and a setting. I mean, they, they still needed a lot of details, but... For sure. Yeah, I mean, sure. for example, this one takes place in, you know, during Christmas. And so they had to winterify New York City. That's not zero work. It's a yeah. very heavy amount of work, but... Yay. They needed yeah. to create snow, which wasn't a thing before. Um, uh, they might have yeah. had it before, but it wasn't like this level of like. Uh, no, they probably didn't. Yeah. I don't think so. I don't think so. No, yeah. I think yeah. it, was a, it took place in a, like the spring and fall, maybe. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so like they they put a they put this work into like taking the existing model of New York, making it look and feel different, and then telling a very particular story with new voice acting and new uh, and set, set pieces <laughs> and a new Peter Parker. Uh, very quickly, like I, it, it's not worth spending a lot of time on, but he does look too young. I, I think mm -hmm. that like I understand they want it to look like the actual uh, voice actor um, who does really good work. But uh, he he looks too young, so that it's kind of awkward when he's trying to like mentor Miles, and it's just like Miles, you like, kind of my look. friend, not my yeah. Especially after the Spider Verse movie has a relatively older Peter Parker, it felt very awkward to yeah. me. Yeah, just the just the couple of scenes that he's in in person. Uh, there are also some training loops where you hear his voice, and those are fine. But yeah, then he's also great. in the spider suit. Yeah, he's like those. six months ago when I was in the eleventh grade. <laughs> and yeah. I, yeah. You know, yeah. I learned how to do this. It's, it's funny because you look fourteen. Weird. It's yeah. weird. But uh, <laughs> but I will say, like, I actually kind of loved having Peter Parker's presence in the story be very background because it he, then he just kind of focuses on being like his quippy silly self and like one of my favorite lines early on in the game is as things are starting to develop peter calls you to check in and be like hey miles how's it going like how you know wh wh what's going on like is everything how's okay things? and he and and miles goes like oh i like uh, I've discovered a conspiracy in my own neighborhood. And Pete is just like, ah, classic. <laughs> <laughs> of course you did. Why wouldn't you find that? It very much is the dynamic of like Spider-Verse with sure. like Peter just being like totally above all this shit. Yeah. And like so tired of been there a hundred times. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's really fun. Yeah. We need conspiracies before you got to your imaginary 11th grade miles. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. Sure. Uh, but, I want to take a second to talk about the Bodega Cat. <laughs> <laughs> I know that that's, 
I know it's I know it's silly, but I'm gonna I'm gonna show the screen again. Uh, so yeah, for a game that took two years to make and had a lot of uh, facets in it, I, I do feel like overall it's good editing. Um, just just to show you really quickly though, there is this cute little bodega cat, and it's called Spider Cat. So of course you have to. Hang no, it's actually the cat is called Spider Man. Spider Man uh, the cat. Yes. Right. Yep. You're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> so. Not only can you get him in a backpack with a little Spider-Man hat, which is adorable, but when you have him and then you are doing like cool maneuvers. Yeah, you can skip ahead to like a minute 11. A minute 11. In the video. Okay, so around, around there. Uh, yeah, you can see he's doing some attacks. Here it and is. Yeah, 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 yeah. The cat Kitty. actually. Comes out of the backpack, scratches the villain's face. The first time that that happened, I legitimately like, like <laughs> shouted like I, out loud because I was like, "What the fuck?" Like the cat and just and then <laughs> yeah, it's so Adding funny. Yeah, wow. so I just I freaking love that. I think it's hilarious. And I'll use that as a jumping-off point to say um, one of the best things about this arc that they gave Miles is really about. Um, not being in his element because he has moved from Brooklyn to Harlem. And there's a real arc here in terms of the people of, of Harlem getting to know him and getting to embrace him. And early on, when you do that mission to save Spider-Man, the cat, uh, like the guy at the bodega, Theo, he's very much just like, oh, you're the other Spider-Man. Uh, yeah, I guess you can help. Right, like this is very. <laughs> Dang, man. This is very much he's getting, like he's not even able to rescue a cat without feeling <laughs> a little awkward about it. Yeah, it's 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 really appropriate. It makes a lot of sense, and it's a very smart like way to, especially in an open world, to make it feel like there's this arc because early on, the way that the world talks about Miles Morales as Spider Man is very much like he's the other one. And yeah. Then, sure. Yeah. Uh, the, the first it, villain you sense. see, the Rhino. When when he uh, oh that line <laughs> yeah he de he defeats the original Spider Man he says this Spider Man it's broken I want I want to exchange you do <laughs> it's it's a great line uh, but yeah. uh, but by the end of it there is this earned sense of like the neighborhood claiming him in a sense and and very much being like yeah, yeah this is our guy uh, which which they've done a few things to make that feel earned. Uh, that I really don't even want to get into because it's really about playing it and feeling how mm. they've uh, how they've achieved that arc. Uh, yeah. The last thing that I'll mention is that the story did a really good job with its true villain, like mm -hmm. true antagonist. Even is yeah. is better to say. Uh, by uh, th there are some some hiccups in retrospect that feel a little bit. Uh, like choppy writing but overall they do a great job of of like making miles wrestle with what it is to be a superhero and have to weigh uh you know ha have to really weigh your allegiances and weigh like what you're gonna do and what it means to like do right by the city uh mm -hmm. and you know it's still a comic book it's like if i had to get critical my least favorite things are still just comic booky shit 
because like gen, gen, just superhero stuff where it's just like yeah sure they have all the technology to build that suit yeah sure they have all that like it you know just yeah, for what do you want yeah that, there's no attempts at science fiction here that's not what yeah this is yeah for sure for sure uh, and, and and you know most of that stuff to, to the credit of the game does like fade away like mm -hmm. they kind of get it out of the way and it's just like okay cool we're on for the ride um yeah. but but they but by the end there's there's they're grappling with the kinds of things that I'm very happy to see them do for like, uh, for helping to establish a, a new Spider-Man. It's not just like some celebratory, look at me, I'm the hero, I'm the good guy. There's a real sense of like, shit, I have a responsibility and I don't know what to do here. So that's, right. that's really satisfying. Yeah. I, I we, we talk a lot about inclusivity in games and I mean I feel like this this is game that gets that right and they also get right the the feeling of editing down a story so it has less miscellaneous kill a bunch of guys report back missions and a lot more that has to do with the central plot and building the world that they live in yeah yeah uh, so that was really well done yeah, I think I think many people sort of uh, complain if they had any about Spider-Man in 2018 was that it was definitely it could have used two hours less. Think about it, it was it, it was sure. used like ten hours. Less. Yes, <laughs> I was a little disappointed to still see the orange convicts fighting on the streets of New York. You know, oh, the, yeah, in, in the out. prison suits. And they're like fighting around stores where I'm like, why don't they go rob a store and get something else so that it's less they're obvious so proud the convicts of their walking around? Suits and and collared <laughs> prison collar necks. They're like, no, this is our identity. We can't get Why would you that. do that? It's super I dumb. Just, yeah. And like, wouldn't they like put on their gang collars or something when they go back <laughs> to the <world laughs> at least? It just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. But whatever, whatever. Uh, and that's and that's what I mean by like there's there is still that hand wavy superhero stuff where it's just like there's crime happening in New York all the fucking time. Like I actually wish that there was an option where it's just like not so much crime. Like I just want to <laughs> swing around and find pleasant things to do. Stop telling me that New York City is like a it's, crime infested. It's, it's a trash fight on every third yeah, corner. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> High speed chases everywhere. Semi automatic weapons everywhere. I told New York you, it's um, not that bad, really. I don't know if I got, I mentioned this on the podcast, but when I went to Iceland a couple of years ago, um, at night, you know, we were out most of the day, but at night we kind of tuned into local TV. And I will premise the channel was named Crime TV. However, <laughs> all of the crime shows took place in New York. And I just like, I just sit there, I was like, what do Icelandic people think of us in New York? It's so funny because. Not like only raped and murdered and kidnapped and, and it's just just like like you just step people, out of your door, bang. Yeah, people probably <laughs> genuinely think that that's how like like I grew up here in the '90s when it was supposedly like crime ridden, and it's just like no, it wasn't even that bad then. Like you guys are crazy. Yeah, yeah, but it, it's just so funny. And I, I it's this a is a video game, and you have to have people to. Yeah, this fight, is actually so. something I've been talking about just generally when we talk about New York and media. I'm just like. You know, it's not like that, right? <laughs> you don't really see subway graffiti on the outside of all the cars because they, they yeah. have car bodies that don't do that now. There is no way there would be a high-speed chase 
through Times Square. You do understand that, right? Do you have any idea how many cops with how many guns there are? And I'm okay with that being like (laughs) the inciting incident like it was in 2018 Spider-Man where it's like, oh, there's a shootout in Times Square. Like, all right, this is the intro to the game. We're going to get all spectacular. That's okay. But then it just keeps happening everywhere. (laughs) Like you said, it's a comic book. It's yeah. a comic book. Yeah, I just don't like using that as an excuse. But uh, mm-hmm. but to get back to this one, Miles Morales, uh, no, it, it does sidestep most of that stuff and really tell a great story that's worth the $50. I would love to see more regular shots of this. I mean, it harkens back to me to Infamous First Light and uh, Uncharted, uh, The Lost Uncharted. Legacy. Yeah where I really want to see teams more regularly tackle these shorter stories and they might not be as financially viable without the more bigger blockbuster ones where, you know, people eat up the hundreds of hours or whatever. I don't know, but uh, I, I it's disagree. my personal preference. I think, there... I think it comes down to the marketing and the framing. I'm sorry, Stace. Go, go ahead. Yeah, go yeah, ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, there are so many older gamers now that just don't have time for that. Mm-hmm. That It's actually a relief to hear that there's a good 20-hour game yeah. that you can yeah. spend over the course of a couple of weekends. And Yeah. It, I, it, I'd like to think so, too. It really is. I mean, there's I, when I think of First Light, um, what was the Uncharted name? What was the name? Lost of the Legacy. Uncharted? Lost Legacy and then Miles Morales. In some ways, I feel, uh, other than First Light, I feel like these two are sounding like they're, well, I can't speak about Miles Morales, but they sound like they're better than the bigger brother versions of that. I, I think the First Light was better. It's, than it's marketing. It's like, don't say like, oh, it's this like little thing. Just say like, hey. Is this and I think they did the right thing with Miles, actually. Yeah. Because and... so many people are excited for this. I'm excited for this. I'm, I feel like I'm more excited than I am the first Spider-Man. But we're also speaking in hindsight, you know, that Spider-Man had to come out for us to be like, oh, wow, this is a fantastic game. It was game of the year for many people. So to say like, hey, we're not, you know, redoing the glass windows. We're just putting in some new flavor to it. Expect the same gameplay, expect Betty storytelling, and then expect something that's not going to be, you know, 20 something hours, something a little right. bit shorter. Here you, you, know what this, you know what this reminds me of uh, is when GTA 4 had like its episodic content. That was that had a similar thing where it was like this isn't some fifty-hour epic because gamers don't feel like they get their money's worth unless there is a fifty-hour epic story. Yeah. They had the Ballad of uh, Gay Tony and like the, lost, the uh, I forgot what the other ones were called. Lost the Lost Boys. The Lost Boys. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. But like, but especially when you spend all this time like making a, a big open world to tell a story in, I honestly think that the mistake that they're making is make the initial release of that still yeah. be a short fucking story. And then you can layer on top of it and every two years or every so often go like, hey, here's a new story in this world. Here's a new story in this world. Now, can you burn out on that? Absolutely. Don't get me wrong. You can definitely turn this into like a bad issue, especially if like someone like Activision tries to do it. Yeah. But I see how personally yeah i personally think that so long as they can figure out good stories to tell right they if they literally did the same thing in two years yeah sure i don't expect them to revolutionize the gameplay every time but i'd be happy to come back for a good story and and some familiar solid gameplay well if you've got a villain 
named the Tinkerer, there's a lot of room for innovation there. You yeah. know? It's, it's not going to be hard to come up with a, okay, so here's what the Tinkerer is doing now. Let's. And it's comic books. They can pull and it, and it out of their some of that stuff. into what Spider-Man can do. And now we've changed his gameplay as well. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a really good point. I mean, I'm I'm imagining to myself right now. Imagine if like they said, okay, here's New York, here's the Insidious Six. The first, the the main game is Spider-Man against Doctor Octopus. Um, mm -hmm. For the next year, you're gonna we're gonna have five full stories over the next over the next two years. New York is gonna be the same, or maybe every finale will have some state world changing state to New York. Sure. Yeah. going and this is the episodic so and you don't even necessarily have to make it a through line we're still talking about comic books if they yeah, were going to around in two years and go we're actually going to do new york city in the apocalypse universe where everything went to shit and like and it's like okay it's visually distinct and it's there's definitely still stories to pull from, from i, I want to see coronavirus kind of new shit. york with restaurants on every corner that's that's called outdoors. a division too <laughs> yeah that's true that's a different kind of coronavirus new york i mean like there's there's one where your streets are quiet man because everybody's inside <laughs> yeah. but yeah I, it, it's cool to hear that we all share that enthusiasm i think that uh this kind of it's not episodic but this more peri this more periodic um full arc of a story product i think should become normal <laughs> Cool. Okie dokes. Uh, Remember, to... Spider-Man always wears a mask. He does. <laughs> <laughs> so this is cat. And his cat. cat. <laughs> All right, guys. So I think that is it for today. And you can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And we'll see ya for more games. Bye. 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 Bye.